0: Hello and welcome back to the SBK Betting Podcast. Tom Collins here and I'm joined by Ross Miller as ever. We're going to talk about Royal Ascot, day two in this pod. Thank you very much for all your likes and and comments on the day one pod yesterday. um, They're very much appreciated. Now, day one had just about everything. Inclement weather over the night uh, meant that we had good to soft ground on the round course. We had good ground supposedly on the straight course, although it rode a little bit softer than that. So we weren't predicting that. We thought it was going to be pretty firm. Leading US rider Irad Ortiz was taken off his two mounts for Wes Ward, so we didn't get to see him either. Johnny Velasquez went on. Irad, uh, unfortunately, had food poisoning. God knows where he'd been on Monday night. Um, And that's not even to mention the racing itself. The racing was fantastic. Triple time. Kicked things off with a surprise victory in the Queen Anne. River Tiber won the Coventry to the delight of Ross and myself. And the King's Stand went to Bradsell under Holly Doyle under a good ride, albeit he interfered with Highfield Princess late in the day. Paddington was potentially the highlight. And we'll come to him later in the St. James's Palace. Ross, what did you make of day one? Uh, I was p-
1: pleased with River Ty, but I was very frustrated with, with Triple Time. I tipped him on the podcast for the lock And then my uh, my sort of angle around the, the Queen Anne really was was just finding something against the, the, the top couple in the market because I didn't like them. He was on the list. I was concerned about the prospect of uh, lightning quick ground for him. Uh, the rain came and... Uh, he looks like a really good horse, albeit I'd be slightly concerned about taking the form literally. I think they crawled quite early. I think throughout the day, it's looked like it's very difficult to come from off the pace. I think he had the run of the race. Um, it's not a form line I'd be taking literally, but really good to see. I mean, Neil Callan was really emotional. Um, obviously a big move to sort of forego the, the lucrative contract out in Hong Kong, come back to the UK. I think he said that was for sort of family reasons, bringing his kids back to the UK. So, yeah, really pleased for him and uh, got the day off to a surprising and slightly frustrating start. But it got better from there on in.
0: It did. Neil Callan. if you haven't seen uh, this graphic on Twitter, I apologize. I cannot remember who posted it, but Neil Callan was top. Out of all riders this season based on ROI and performance against expected performance with his horses. So he's been absolutely phenomenal, and he kicks Royal Ascot uh, off in the, in the best way possible. Let's talk about the King's Stand then. Twilight Gleaming and Garter showed early speed across to the far side. Highfield Princess was up there early as well. The first two horses' names were done with three furlongs to go. They were out the back of the TV, leaving Highfield Princess up front, but Bradsell loomed alongside, showing his customary uh, brilliant high cruising speed in the race. Doyle went for Bradsell. He went a length clear, looked like Highfield Princess was battling back, but there was a bit of interference late. Bradsell kept the race. What did you make of the King stand?
1: I thought it was a good race. I thought it was the right result. I I, I don't think um, Bradsell sort of was, was a fortunate winner. I don't think he was drifting, compromised uh, the runner up. Um, as you know, I'm a big student of uh, pace bias and, uh, and uh, track bias. Um, and it does look uh, to, to my keen eye that uh, you're struggling to come from off the pace and low numbers, that far side rail is, is where you want to go, which is, I think, backed up by the, the going stick uh, reports.
0: Yeah, definitely. It looked far, uh, far side. I think there was 7.5 far side, 7.1 near side, the higher the number, the faster the ground. So you wanted to be towards the, the far side rail. Uh, I thought Anaf and Twilight Calls actually ran really well in that race, given no horses were coming from behind. They finished third and fourth respectively from miles off the pace. Now, the other race we should talk about, it's the St. James's Palace. Paddington was the winner. He won decisively. I still don't love his head carriage, but he was by far the best in the race. And he's just proving that uh, he's an immense talent going forward over middle distances, Chaldean finished second, and then Char- Charin Charon finished third, which kind of ruins the form a little bit, maybe suggests it wasn't the deepest renewal. What did you make of it, Ross?
1: yeah, I think you're right about charon i mean we we spoke on the on the preview podcast that we perhaps didn't think that the, the three year old mile division was the was the strongest particularly amongst the amongst the colts um I thought he was a good winner, and I think he's looking progressive and it's a reminder perhaps. To me more than anyone that on the flat these horses they do progress um i can perhaps be a bit guilty on the flat and uh, of not following my own mo on, on the jumps which i'm always very keen to look for improvement and physical development and tests suiting uh, different horses uh, on the flat i think you can sometimes take form lines perhaps a bit more literal uh, paddington is clearly on the upgrade um i think he's gonna be a really nice horse over 10 furlongs but he does just have that slightly awkward head carriage. Um But uh, yeah, I think he was a, a, a resounding winner. Didn't have the run of the race. I think he was posted quite wide early. Uh, I think Frankie did get the run of the race Um and uh, yeah, it was firmly put in his place.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I don't think there were any excuses for Caldean. He was just beaten by a better three-year-old on the day. Pannington will definitely improve for further and also was the ninth winner in the St. James's Palace for Aidan O'Brien, which also gave him the accolade of being the winning most Royal Ascot trainer. So Fantastic start to the meeting for Aiden O'Brien. But did we expect anything less? Probably not. Um, okay, on to matters ahead. Let's talk about Wednesday's racing now and the feature, which is the Group One Prince of Wales Stakes at four twenty PM. Only six runners go to post, but that's kind of expected. It's a customary small field for this race. It's a very competitive market though, with Adiar, Luxembourg, Mai Prospero and Bay Bridge all garnering some attention at the top. Less than two points separate all four of them in the market. Then you've got Duff at around 20 to 1. And US challenger Classic Causeway completes the field. Ross, what do you think the Prince of the Prince's Wales
1: stakes? Uh, I have less of a pin right now with, with this rain that's that's come. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's absolutely chucking down here. We've got a lightning uh, electric storm. Uh, I don't quite know what the forecast is for for Ascot and I think you have to take the forecast with a pinch of salt anyway because it does seem very sort of sporadic but what that rain yesterday will mean is that uh, they won't be able to get the watering cans out tonight I don't think for fear of getting more rain so it might well end up being quicker tomorrow but if they get the rain I sort of took the view that I didn't like Bay Bridge didn't like Adair on quick ground they obviously have now got a bit of cut in the ground so that perhaps brings them back into it a bit more but Bay Bridge I was a bit burnt by him last year and I'm a bit slow to forgive him Adai is never a horse I really liked um Luxembourg I just can't have his head carriage um, and that's not going to change on, on on good ground or, or or softer ground um so it's my Prospero for me largely by dint of sort of process of elimination but I do think he's got a nice profile he's been doing well over a mile looks to me like he's been crying out for this extra two furlongs Um, by Ifraj, which doesn't scream stamina, but out of a see the stars mare, which should bring plenty of stamina to the, to the game. William Haggis has just hit a rich vein of form. Um, And I think he's unexposed against three in the market that will take up a big chunk of the market. I suspect the top three. Um, And I I'm I'm with him.
0: Yeah, we're reading off the same hymn sheet here. Uh, It's a really enticing. heat. should just quickly mention classic Causeway. He has no chance on form. Like he won't even get close. However, the fact that he's in the race could ruin the chance of Luxembourg. Luxembourg Luxembourg was seen at his best last time out when he went forward. Ryan dictated the pace, kicked off the front end, and no horse could reel him back in, very much in the style of Highland Reel, trained by Aidan O'Brien. But Classic Causeway is a forward-going type with plenty of early speed. Maybe he ruins the fact that Ryan Moore would want to go forward. Maybe Julian LePereux gets the front, and Ryan will have to adopt different tactics on Luxembourg. For that reason, I cannot have Luxembourg. Completely agree with you on Aditya and Bay Bridge. Mark Prospero, for me, I think the step-up in trip will definitely suit. His lock fourth was very promising. Uh, and William Haggis, as you've touched on there, is in good form at the moment. Ross, there are six other races on the card, including the Queen Mary, Duke of Cambridge, Royal Hunt Cup. Don't give away your Wednesday Napa next best. And you don't have to have a selection here. But is there anything else that you like?
1: Uh, the price is slightly gone. It's not in a handicap. It's actually in the Queen Mary. Um, I do like relief rally uh, from, from William Haggis. She was a, a fairly rare debut winner uh, for him doesn't get many debut two-year-old winners. Um, she's since backed up in what I thought was a decent contest. Um, I actually put her up on my racing TV column, but she was a much bigger prize. She's into around six to one now, which is is skinny enough for me in what I think is probably the most open uh, juvenile race of the, of, of the week. Um, handicaps, there was just nothing for me in the handicaps at all. So I've got a napper next best, but I'll sit tight on those.
0: Perfect. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You don't need to bet in every race. Um, But I will also give a positive mention to one in the Queen Mary in this section, and that is going to be Born to Rock. I think she's actually second favourite now. She was favourite this morning. We're filming this at 5pm on on Tuesday. Um, They walked up front in her novice event. She was on the front end, so she was definitely helped uh, by the early pace. But she quick and clear, despite the race turning into a sprint, and put four and a half lengths between herself and her closest pursuer, rider Robert Tart, didn't go for the whip that day either, so that suggests there's a lot more to come. And I'm hoping that Born to Rock can provide uh, a winning start for Jane chappell Hine on what I think could be a very red-letter day uh, for the trainer. OK, NAP and next, next best time, Mr. Miller. Where are we going? Uh,
1: so for the NAP, I'm going to go with uh, my Prospero. I think he's got uh, really strong credentials. Um, I, I don't like the top three in the market, as I said. Uh, William Haggis. Uh, great trainer, one I really enjoy listening to, uh, watching how he campaigns his horses. And I think he, of course, an upset maybe but to my eyes and and to yours and we're agreeing a lot lately which uh, is actually working out quite well I seem to remember in the in the winter when we were agreeing it didn't work out very well at all but it's it's going well so far so yeah I'm with you my Prospero my next best comes in the Windsor Castle Stakes it's maximum impact uh, for Alice Haynes uh, son of Havana Grey who's doing great things a a stallion that I sort of took a while to warm up to but he's he's getting really tough tenacious horses Alice Haynes has showed herself to be a real dab hand at uh, training these sharp and precocious two-year-olds uh, he's had two runs i like that in the juvenile races uh, served river tiber well today that extra bit of experience i think he certainly got down and got dirty to win the coventry uh, maximum impact has shown he can do that himself his first run was a, a non-event it was a flag start at leicester but he won very easily but then he went to ascot and one over course and distance i think that's a nice angle in um Ammo racing are, are desperate to get, a, to get a Royal Ascot winner, but particularly a two-year-old winner, because that's what they sort of nail their colours to.
0: Yeah, Mike Rospero, Ross's nap is 4-1. to one. Maximum impact is 7-1 to one in the Windsor Castle, his next best. Ross's next best was River Tiber on day one, who won. So make sure you, you pay attention to his two main selections on Wednesday. My nap is going to be intelligent in the Royal Hunt Cup. In fact, it's my nap of the week. And unfortunately, his price has gone. It's more than half. He was 20-1 to one, uh, two weeks ago. I put him up as my nap of the week in our proper big uh, Royal Ascot preview, which is on our YouTube and uh, Spotify, so check that out. Um, Now he's around eight or nine to one, which isn't as good, but I still think he's the bet in the race. Um, Last year, he finished second in this. He was racing off one pound higher, so he's running off lower this time around. James Doyle takes them out again for the first time in 12 months since this race last year. And last time out at Newbury, it just looked like Holly Doyle wasn't really bothered about winning the race until the final furlong. Nevertheless, he still clocked the fastest three furlongs to finish the race. That's one for you clock watchers out there. Uh, so hopefully intelligent from a good draw can win the Royal Hunt Cup. And my next best is going to be the horse we've already talked about in great detail, which is my Prospero in the Prince of Wales stakes. Already touched on here. We don't need to go more into that. Thank you very much for joining us for this day two Royal Ascot preview. As always, if you enjoy the content, whack the like down below. We do appreciate it. And subscribe so you don't miss all of our great content, including the rest of these Royal Ascot previews for the rest of the week. A reminder of SBK's latest offer. You get £5 in free bets when you place a £10 horse racing multiple. Do not miss out on that, especially if you like your horse racing actors at meetings such as Royal Ascot, which I know plenty of you do. Ross and I will be back tomorrow for Royal Ascot Day 3 podcast. Until then, be lucky.